0: This is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to Disney Insights. I'm so excited to share with you a big announcement of something I've been working on for some time. And we're going to share some important news of this week that may have huge bearing on the company moving forward. Tom Staggs and Kevin Mayer, both former executive leaders of the company, have returned to the Walt Disney Company to solve some of its biggest issues tied with Disney Plus profitability and the long-term prospects of network, cable, television, and ESPN. We'll share the story of how we got to this place and why it is so important that these two princes have returned to the kingdom. Hopefully, you'll have a chance to visit DisneyInsights.com where we are going to have um, a summary of some of the things that we're going to talk about here, also some links and images. But most importantly, what I wanted to share with you today is that if you've listened to my podcast, you know that they're sponsored by Performance Journeys, a training and development and consulting organization focused on improving results in the customer arena with engaging employees and improving organizational leadership. You also may have heard that the Walt Disney Company is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Organized on October 16th of 1923, few know what events occurred that made that happen, but small as they were, they were pebbles that created a mountain of entertainment experiences for all. It is one of the most beloved companies in the world, and was headed by a man who truly was unlike any other, the master showman, Walt Disney. The day, October 16th, is a special one for me. I'm not 100 years old, but my birthday is the same day as this company, and I'm preparing something very special for it. I am completing work on a book that lets you not only learn about the inside magic of this company, but apply its innovative secrets to your life, to those around you, and to the work you do. There are many books on Walt, on Michael Eisner, on Disneyland and Walt Disney World. This will be one of the only books that will truly canvas the entire breadth of the organizations over its past 100 years. Moreover, it will be one that will be a cavalcade of ideas for you and your own life experience. In a future podcast, I'll announce the title of the book and other details. I'm still wrestling with the editor on that one. But for now, I wanted you to know about this upcoming book. For today's podcast, I'm going to share what will inevitably be one of the chapters, one of the last chapters, because it's one of the major events that I think is pivotal for the organization moving forward. It'll be a modified version of this week's announcements. Events, important events have occurred and they may paint the picture of the organization moving forward. Perhaps where not one, but two princes will lead out. Let's go uh, through this story and what has come about. In the land made famous with Fantasy Kingdoms, the Walt Disney Company has always struggled with finding an heir apparent to its throne. Walt's sudden passing resulted in Roy O. Disney coming out of retirement. Roy's passing was even more sudden, resulting in Card Walker and Don Tatum taking over. At the end of that period, it was determined that Ron Miller, Walt Disney's son-in-law, would take over in running the organization. But that was met with attempted Wall Street takeovers, as well as an inside effort to remove him, led by Roy E. Disney, Roy O. Disney's son. Enter Michael Eisner and Frank Wells, which led to a successful 10-year period of growth, arguably perhaps more... uh, major than any other prior or since. But Frank Wells suddenly died in a helicopter skiing accident and the 10 years that followed with Michael Eisner acting alone went downhill. That slow burn southward was punctuated by Michael Ovid stepping in Frank's shoes only to find out that he was clearly a wrong fit candidate coming from the outside. Roy E. Disney again stepped in to oust the CEO, this time being Michael Eisner. In the end, Bob Iger was given an opportunity to lead and he moved the company forward in many positive ways, also ultimately bringing in exceptional growth with the acquisitions such as Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. But as Iger was sailing towards his first 10 years of leading the company, it seemed clear to the board of directors that there should be a more intentional effort moving forward with finding an heir apparent. Disney has always had a belief of looking first on the inside, with the idea that promotion from within fosters leaders who truly understand the unique heritage and experience that is the Walt Disney Company. I myself experienced that to a great degree, I came in from the outside to step into an organization where all of my peers really had moved from the front line on up. Um, the individual who became my business partner, started as Goofy on water skis. My, my boss started as a glockenspiel player in the parade. And while I came in with a tremendous knowledge and uh, of the Walt Disney Company and its heritage and its history. I didn't understand the culture and I made many missteps as I came in. So I appreciate, I appreciate the challenge of trying to bring in people from the outside as well as people from, up from the inside who may not have that outside experience. In the executive arena, with the exception of Eisner and Wells, This has largely been the case, bringing people up from within. So after some discussion and debate, two possibilities emerged at this time, some 10 plus years after Iger uh, had been leading the organization. Two possibilities emerge, Jay Rasulo, chairman of the Disney Parks Experiences and Products, and Tom Staggs, CFO for the Walt Disney Company. So what do you do when you think you have two good candidates? Well, you have a bake-off and that's what Iger announced. Jay Rasulo would take over as CFO of the organization and Tom Stax would become head of Disney Parks Experiences and Products. Giving them an opportunity to try their hand at other areas of operation would be a proving ground for whether they were up to being over the entire company. So from 2010, roughly, to 2015, they took on new roles and led within their respective areas. He, uh, well, Tom Staggs in this case, came to the parks with unbounded enthusiasm. After one year of stepping in, he recapped the year, which had been fairly big. What had happened was the launch of the Disney Dream, the opening of new attractions, like Star Tours, The Adventure Continues, and The Little Mermaid ride uh, through attraction, the groundbreaking of Shanghai Disney, the opening of Volani, two new Storylands at in Disneyland Paris and Hong Kong, and the announcement of Avatar for Disney's Animal Kingdom. He also talked about the year ahead, which was 2011, which would include the launch of the Disney Fantasy, the opening of the Art of Animation Resort, the unveiling of elements in the new Fantasyland expansion, the opening of Grizzly Gulch in Hong Kong, and a whole new Carsland Land and Buena Vista Street for Disney California venture. Uh, there are times where one wishes they could have been, well, in the words of Hamilton, in the room where it happened. And in that setting, it was determined that Tom Staggs would be the winner of the Bake Off. In February of 2015, Tom became COO Chief Operating Officer for the Walt Disney Company. Jay Rasulo quietly stepped away. It looked like the prince would become king in time, taking over for Bob Iger. This is not surprising. Tom Staggs was beloved by many in the organization. As COO, his first quarter earnings jumped 36% to a record um, $9 billion. He headed up the work of several big projects, first over the parks and then a CEO such as Avatar coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom and the 5.5 billion Shanghai Disney Resort. But Tom would never be there long enough to help open up either of them. Moreover, Bob Iger, And Tom Staggs seemed very much the same. They had easygoing, youthful-looking personages. They enjoyed fitness. They were lovers of fine wine. Moreover, they were personable with the people they interacted with. However, in April of 2016, a little more than a year after Staggs was made COO, it was announced that the company had agreed to mutually part ways with Staggs. He remained on an advisory role for a few till the end of the fiscal year, even showing up to have lunch with Bob at the team Disney building in Burbank. Again, few were in the room where it happened, but the sense coming out of it was that the board still didn't have the confidence in Tom's ability to take over. And some even speculated that maybe Bob Iger wasn't ready to give up being CEO. Either way, Tom was now out. Taking the higher road, Staggs called it, quote, a privilege to work with Disney and, quote, a great experience to work with Bob during this dynamic era of unprecedented growth and transformation. I remain grateful for that opportunity, and I'm confident that Disney's future will be just ex- as exciting as its legendary past. Upon his departure, Iger called Staggs, quote, a great friend and trusted colleague. What seemed like a very sensible and smart process seemed to become unraveled within a year or so. Iger still expressed interest in retiring by 2018 and in time, Bob Chapek, who took over for Staggs in the theme park division became the next heir apparent. That story is a much longer one, but the result was that Chapek would last for a short couple of years being at the forefront of the Disney Plus rollout. But that initial success not only came with cost overages, it resulted in the man who put it in motion, Kevin Mayer, leaving Disney. CNBC eventually interviewed Mayer after he left Disney, and this is what he shared when asked if he himself had wanted to be CEO. Quote, I was hoping I would be I'm not sure hope and expectations are the same it's a nice job ceo of disney quote if you asked me that question 5 years ago i would have said no i didn't i didn't think i was headed toward towards the ceo of disney but given the confluence of events of tom stagg's leaving then there being a bit of a vacuum during the 21st Century Fox deal, which caused Bob Iger to stay a little longer, and the fact that I was able to launch Disney Plus so effectively, I also launched ESPN Plus, and I was running Hulu, and I led the entire reconfiguration of the company into direct-to-consumer. Bob Iger and the board felt that I should run all of that. That was, I thought, intended to be a bit of a test run to see if I could be CEO. I'm not sure what I could have done there to prove myself more than I did. I think that Bob left earlier than he expected to. Well, end of quote. What uh, Mayor is actually referring to is Bob Iger, as this interview was well before Bob Chapek left. But this is what he had to say about Chapek when asked why he didn't get the CEO job. Quote, what I've heard is, I needed a little bit more seasoning. i had only been in that role for a couple of years in an operating role. Before that, I was chief strategy officer in a staff role, even though I had a lot of people working for me around the world and all that stuff. And I think that the timing of his ascension to being executive chairman, coupled with the fact that Bob Chapek had a lot of experience, Bob Chapik is a good guy, by the way. He'd worked throughout all the different areas of Disney. He was in the studio. He was running consumer products, had been running the theme parks. It's not a bad choice. So I can't, someone wins and someone loses in that situation. And given the timing of it and the immediacy of it, I think that people felt that he was the safer pair of hands at that moment, end of quote. I have to say, I think Kevin's responses took the higher road. Either way, under Chapek, Disney Plus moved on. The pinnacle moment in Disney stock came when Chapek staged a presentation in the heart of the pandemic, showing scores of programs from Star Wars and Marvel and others coming to Disney Plus. And for a while it worked. But all those production costs and the loss of movies playing in the theaters during the pandemic was part of what ultimately caused the board to oust him and put Bob Iger back on the throne. I should say, obviously, all of the political events dealing with DeSantis was part of it, as well as probably other things we may not even know. But yeah, Disney Plus was very much at the center of the decision to probably move Chapek aside. Well, when they did that, ultimately, after the board ousted it, they put Bob Iger back on the throne. Iger's commitment was to find a new heir apparent within two years. That's what he said last hmm, November when he came back in. But it was announced less than a year later, just a few weeks ago, that he would need more time, especially in finding an heir apparent. And then... This week, he took action on just that, but in a very unexpected way. CEO Bob Iger is now bringing aboard former top studio execs Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs to help advise on a possible sale of linear TV assets beyond ESPN, including the ABC Broadcast Network and the FX Cable Channel, Well, this is what Hollywood Reporter has confirmed. Mayor and Staggs, who founded Candle Media in 2021 off on their own, offered no direct comment on any renewed ties with Disney. But it's understood that they have been tapped separately and as consultants to work alongside Iger, ESPN chief, Jimmy Pitaro, and other Disney execs to figure out the studio's legacy TV business amid a rapid shift to streaming platforms. What's interesting about this is that Mayer and Staggs founded Candle Media in 2021 and they've been working together. That speaks well to their ability to hopefully collaborate moving forward as opposed to competing. And they'll continue running their own organization. I know little about Kevin Mayer's approach to running an organization but I have observed and frankly have been fond with what I've seen with Tom Staggs. Returning to that Eyes and Ears article a number of years ago that interviewed Tom Staggs, what held my attention was his insights on being innovative. Quote, just as everyone is responsible for safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency, we should always be trying to discover new ways to challenge the status quo to be more efficient and to surprise and delight our guests at every turn. We often talk about innovation in terms of technology, but innovation goes beyond technology and should extend to everything we do. Regardless of our roles, each of us has the opportunity to innovate and improve on what we do and how we do it." End of quote. I love those ideas because innovation must be much more than a you know, um, new form of Mickey talking or interacting or a new um, interactive game or some form of metaverse. It's, it's gotta be an invitation to each cast member to think more about how to keep the grounds cleaner as guests rush from one queue to another or how to better talk and engage with those guests as they stand in line. I think some of the most innovative companies are not the ones that create great technology at the top, but who continually innovate and improve at the bottom. For Disney, that's as important a frontier as any. For your organization, it probably is too. I would hope, as Mayor and Staggs head into this role of consulting, that they do just that. These Um, networks, these uh, traditional platforms that we talk about, whether it's ABC or others, FX, even ESPN, we need to hear from those people because they're the ones who are holding the magic. And they probably have ideas that really can't come from the top. They need to come from the bottom up. Yes, somebody has to think strategically, but there's still plenty of room for coming up with ideas. Uh, in new ways, and they often come from those who are in the trench. So, um, will this be a bake-off between Mayer and Staggs? I hope not. Ideally, if these two can succeed on these issues, I'd like to find both of them in corporate leadership roles, similar perhaps to the arrangement of Michael Eisner and Frank Wells, or even Walt and Roy Disney. I don't know enough about their individual strengths, but Disney needs all hands on deck in moving forward and bringing more on board may be the best decision. When it comes to hiring others, particularly executives, there is much debate as to whether you promote from within or hire from without. Both bring their strengths and weaknesses. In this instance, Tom and Kevin have the advantage of being in both places, and that may give them greater strength than ever before. Now, when I have these kinds of podcasts, I like to provide some souvenirs back to you and your organization. So ask yourself the following questions. How do you build your legacy by building the leadership future of your organization? In other words, if you are really going to build your legacy, then you need about you need to think more fully about building others in the organization. How do you go about that? What do you do to make that happen? When is it? The, when is the best time to have your employees promoted from within, and when is it best to have others come from the outside? I can tell you, I have seen both in action. I have also seen again the in like the bake off one of the great things about for instance working at Walt Disney World is you're able to actually go work in other parts of the operation and then maybe come back to your core um, your core strength and and come back and and work in a, in a higher position what you want to do is you want to find the opportunities to gain experience but also keep the heritage and legacy and and the knowledge, the internal knowledge of the organization, which I fear is too often being uh, lost within a company, an organization like Disney. And then finally, how do we promote innovation and continuous improvement throughout the organization rather than simply at the top? I think that's an opportunity for Disney and with Staggs and Mayer coming on board in this consulting role, this is a great opportunity to do that. Well, that concludes our Disney uh, podcast for today. I should also take the time to talk about the loss of a friend. It, um, I have known Jim Corcus since the mid uh, 1990s. Um, he and I worked together at Disney Institute. Many people um, may have been aware that he played the role of Merlin in the parks, I think he absolutely loved that job. He may have sweated too much in it, but he absolutely loved that job every time he talked about it. He seemed to radiate joy from that experience. And he was an advocate for not stopping it, even though it's been long discontinued. He had an opportunity to be one of the original folks at Disney Institute, helping with programs around animation and heritage and so forth. And he certainly was an important part of that When those programs went away, he joined our team on the business side and helped. And I could just trust Jim, he knew content. And many a time, I just sent out an email or I'd give him a call and say, tell me what what your understanding of this was. And he'd always give me a great answer. Always so helpful. When I uh, went into the business back in, um, what was it, 2007? of writing for Mouse Planet, um, there was a ghost writer writing the Wednesday article. And, um, and I had no idea who it was. It was actually many months working for Mouse Planet before I realized that, that Wade was actually Jim Corcus And uh, he had had to take on a, an assumed name while he was still doing things for the Walt Disney Company. So I was humored by that as well and and was thrilled that we had a chance to work together. We also shared the same publisher at one time. And then as I went into podcasts, I had opportunities to um, to chat with him um, and, and have him on the podcast. And sometime we'll have to replay some of those great podcasts. It was always just fun. He and I could sit down together without any script and just go and go and go about all things Disney. It was just really a delight. Uh, After I heard about his accident, I was one of the first to come to the hospital to see him. That was so sad, but I really thought he would uh, pull it together. They found other problems. Those other problems turned to be bigger issues um, dealing with his health, and they ultimately took his life. It was just a couple of weeks ago. I spoke to him and he um, by email and he seemed very weak and said so much. So I, uh, I miss Jim and I know that right now he has the privilege of being with his parents, which he truly missed as they had passed on. Um, and I also think that somehow the spirit of Jim is somewhere in a Disney park, probably over on the West Coast, because Jim loved the parks. I will miss Jim Corcus and I appreciate the privilege of knowing him again that concludes our podcast and thanks for joining us we have lots more to share in the days and months to come especially with this new book coming out please uh, make sure you subscribe to us and uh, both uh, check out the YouTube channel Disney insights because we have videos coming in and out of those, uh, that venue as well. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day, we'll see you real soon.